After a long week of lectures, quizzes, and exams, aerospace engineering sophomore Jackson Ballard wheels his bass guitar over to the east side of campus. He meets his friends by the Martin Luther King Jr. statue and the Student Activity Center. And once they got all their instruments set up, the jamming begins. Bellard is plucking his bass guitar with Burnt Orange Bluegrass, a student-led bluegrass band at the University of Texas at Austin. It's honestly uh, the best part of my week. I always look forward to the jam sessions and um, look forward to getting together and playing, but it's, it's, it's electric. Bluegrass music is a subset of country or folk music that's widely known for its improvisation style called jamming or picking. Amy Rester, a management and information system senior, plays the fiddle and sets up gigs for the band. And so someone will call a song, like for example, I'll call Salt Creek. It's a fiddle tune. And everyone knows Salt Creek, so I don't really need to say the P. Um, and it's almost always played in A, so I'll just say Salt Creek and then... Someone will kick it, which means someone will start the song, and then we go. Because these jam or picking sessions are improvised, the musicians play the songs through a series of solos that are passed around in the group. The solos can be passed clockwise or through a series of nonverbal cues, such as eye contact or a head nod. Rester comes from a classical music background, and she said transitioning to an entirely improvised music style was a complete mind shift. And for Rester, playing bluegrass allows her to express herself in a different way. It feels really great to do improv music. I also love classical music. I, I don't have a favorite, um, but the reason why I like improv is because I'm getting to arrange music in real time. Um, it's a lot freer in what I get to express. Um, it's not as prepared, so I get to practice spontaneity. The origins of bluegrass music date all the way back to the Appalachian communities in the 1600s, and were traditionally played through instruments like the bass, fiddle, guitar, mandolin, dobro, or banjo. Bluegrass music started to gain popularity during the Great Migration in the second half of the 20th century. Country music became a real way for people to have nostalgia for, you know, the way their lives used to be or the way their um, ancestors lived on the farm. Um, and you do see a lot of that in bluegrass as well. That's John Lundbaum, president of the Central Texas Bluegrass Association. And as societies evolved, so did bluegrass. People started creating variations or subgenres of bluegrass, such as old time, jamgrass, newgrass, and more. Lundbaum said one of the most significant names in bluegrass history is Bill Monroe and his band, the Bluegrass Boys. The music that Bill Monroe was constructing and making at the time was uh, really a way of taking traditional songs, a lot of traditional songs, especially from the Appalachian tradition, um, sort of the inherited uh, folk music of Appalachia, and uh, performing it with 
specific imp- instrumentation being guitar, mandolin, fiddle, bass, and banjo uh, at oftentimes very, very fast tempos um, in very high uh, pitch keys um, featuring lots of instrumental um, either improvisation or what we'd say like breaks, you know, instrumental solos on the folk melodies. I'm going out on the highway, listen to them big trucks whine. Going out on the highway, listen to them big trucks whine. And yeah, I mean, that's really a lot of the core elements of that tradition remain to the day. However, there have been some misconceptions about how people refer to bluegrass music. Aside from the term bluegrass, some might have heard it referred to as old-time music, mountain music, or even hillbilly music, which was commonly used in the early 20th century. I'm pretty sure that Billboard magazine, like, country music was called hillbilly music, like, on the official Billboard charts back in the 40s and 50s. For context, Lundbaum is referring to Billboard's first published genre chart in 1944, and in that chart, there was a section called Most Played Jukebox Folk Records, with the parentheses underneath saying hillbillies, spirituals, cowboy songs, and etc. And eventually became country, and eventually country and western. And I mean, I think hillbilly music is probably not the best um, identifier in 2022, but for the mid-20th century, that was really how country music as a whole was viewed. Over time, the perception of bluegrass music has evolved to what Lundbaum called a nuanced and diverse musical tradition. Chelsea Burns, assistant faculty of music theory at UT Austin, said that this genre has been and continues to be popular amongst large cities like Austin, Texas. So first off, the biggest bluegrass scenes are in cities and have been in cities for decades. So Boston has a really hot bluegrass scene. Um, You know, Austin has a really good bluegrass scene. There's a great bluegrass scene out in California. There's another one in Colorado. Um, You know, there's a there's a, was a really good scene for a long time in Brooklyn. Um, so I think that that's a misconception that, yeah, it has these sort of roots and connections to an Appalachian identity that that are kind of difficult to explain in certain respects. Right. Because not everybody who makes that music is actually from that background. Burns also said that elements of bluegrass music are being studied at the collegiate level. Students at East Tennessee State University, for example, can study and earn degrees in learning bluegrass music. So so I think that that's something that's worth knowing when if you're talking to somebody who says, oh, that's like just like front porch music, like it is front porch music. And it's also a lot of other things. Right. It's also urban and it's also happening in, you know, in the academy and all that. Burns shared that during her time as an educator and graduate student at Chicago State University, she started to take a deeper look into the sister genres of bluegrass, such as old-time music, a genre that includes murder ballads and train songs. Some of them, I think, today can be a little problematic, you know, when someone is super nostalgic for 1949. Um, You know, of course, that's during the Jim Crow era and times when... um, when rights haven't been given equally. And so I think that there are spaces where people are starting to rethink some of those things. Similarly with murder ballads, the way that they maybe told a story that was a news story, for example, at some point, but now are just telling a story of 
often violence against women. Um, so I think there are spaces where these long-standing tropes are getting revisited in the bluegrass scene. Burns said that this dark history behind bluegrass has challenged people when looking for their space in this music scene. However, she said that there are some ways that people can approach bluegrass music today to make it an inclusive space. Being sensitive to the lyrics of the songs that you're choosing, right? Um, that, that there are songs that are nostalgic for a period, which is a segregation period. Um, and there are, um, there are sort of, there are choices you can make about which songs you choose to put forward. And also just, I think being explicitly welcoming that if you want to play music with people to invite them to play together, um, and to make sure that you don't, that no one feels isolated, right? Nobody wants to be alone in some space where they're not welcome. Lundbaum also shared how one of the main elements of bluegrass music is that it's folk music. And there is a real community involvement to it as well, um, not only from listening to bluegrass, but also, I mean, the reason we call it folk music is because it can be played by folk, it can, can be played by anybody. One, two, three. So next time you're walking around the east side of campus on a Friday evening, keep an eye and an ear out for the sound of a banjo, fiddle, harmonica in the near distance. And if you ever want to jam out with burnt orange bluegrass, Ballard said to just ask. That's what he did. I showed up not knowing a single thing about bluegrass, uh, not being able to play anything other than my classical stuff and learning impro improvisation just on the offhand. Um, Anyone and everyone is invited to our jams. Um, everyone is completely welcome. And it is a little daunting at first, but once you come and you realize that it is just a lot of fun and you can mess up, nobody, nobody minds it. And um, it's just such a fun learning experience and anyone is completely invited. For The Daily Texan, I'm audio producer Marissa Green. I wrote and produced this episode. Special thanks to senior audio producer Hannah Ortega. And our music was brought to you by a jam session from Burnt Orange Bluegrass.